Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Life Lab Podcast. And happy 4th of July, everyone. Today's episode, we're going to have a theme of freedom and freedom of working for somebody else. So working for yourself and what that freedom can give you. We're also going to talk about the support ever received while running this marathon and why we don't share more of our goals publicly. Along the lines of freedom, we get into our latest business idea of combining our skills, passions, and what we already do. If you want to get in touch with us, please send us a DM at Life Lab Podcast on Instagram. We welcome all thoughts, feedback, and questions. We hope you guys enjoy. The support at a thing like that is so immense. And it was breathtaking to see, to like field my own support, like people texting me that I was not expecting to text me. Lots of people. Before I started, by the way, this so it's around 6 a.m. on a Sunday, people like knew I was running this and texted me yeah. as I'm standing out there by myself. On your Apple Watch? Well, I had my phone. Oh, you did? Damn. I would not have ran with my phone. Oh, yeah. Like that. Um, but yeah, I called my mom after being there. Well, so many people's parents were there and like their parents were like crying. You know, people are like, I think there's some, think about all the possible scenarios that are out there where people have come from to get to a point where like they're running their first marathon or running a marathon. I think marathons are also like symbolic of a lot of things too. I think that's the bigger value of it. Personally, I think they're really bad for you. I think all that running's terrible for you. Like, I don't think... And I and, and I don't think the feat of the actual running is that crazy. Yeah. I think just about anybody that we know, if they wanted to put four months of training in, could just go run a marathon. It's fine. But like the mental journey, especially if you came from a place, you know, I just it feels like a milestone and like I lost some weight. I've gotten in better shape. I've become more disciplined in exercising. A marathon is a milestone in that. But there's people out there that have probably lost hundreds of pounds who have lost family members. Renato's dad ran it. He just lost his dad. Um, That's why he was going to run. He was going to run with his dad because his grandpa was a runner. And Renato's knee fucked up, so he ended up bailing. His dad still ended up running it. And ran some crazy time. He ran like eight minute miles. Guy's a beast. But he's out there running in tribute of his dad who just passed away. So, and just think about everything in between. Um, And so seeing the families that are out there, like sending people off, friends that are out there sending people off. There were so many people in tears at six right up to 6.30 when people started taking off. I'm looking around, I'm going, oh yeah, there's a lot more to this than, you know, you would appreciate until you're out there. It's interesting because I've done long distance bike rides, like 200 mile bike rides. And like, there's a lot of support, but there's not that like support pre-race. There's a shit ton of support along the race. Before the race, like, and you're, everyone's there at like 5.30, 6am for the most part, 6.37. Yeah. Getting ready to like leave. And like, there's like your support crew who drops, helps you drop off your bike and then like leave. And, but it's not that like, well, emotional. 
Yeah. And I think it's a totally different types of events as well. But yeah, it's interesting. I've never been a part of a marathon, so it's interesting to hear that. I will say, side. though, that that was kind of the start of a, of a sort of a review in general in that. That was just the for me, there's so much to it. It's. People that were like checking on my training the weeks prior and that you that makes you feel a type of way that someone has heard you're doing you're working towards a goal okay then the support when you're there the support the morning of maybe the night before or the morning of you take off and then all the random support along the race and the support after a couple people looked me up on the app and were like I saw that you finished like that was dope you know I was trying to look you up like throughout the day and it wasn't like updating or something like that yeah um so that was cool. I was trying to see if you were alive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a couple people came out and just like met and you just like run by them. You know, JP came out. He ran with me in his Birkenstocks for like a couple hundred yards. That's what was like literally right when my Achilles like fucked up. Shit. So I ran really slow with it because he was just like trotting in his sandals. And that kind of allowed me to like stretch and like rest a little bit. Then he left. I had to go run seven more miles. <laughs> so you're like, it felt good and almost felt like perfect timing. Yeah. And then Ryan met me a little bit later and he's like a performance runner. So he ran up with his dog and he was like, he like took a selfie. Like he was pumped and that pumped me up. So were you, were, did they come on the track with you or? Yeah. They just run out I there. Thought, so there's not, it's not gated the whole way. No, it's not uh, gated anywhere. Oh, I thought there were like gates, like those like metal gates things. No, there are spots where you're protected from traffic with those. But on other sides of the street, you can just like walk in and like the streets are blocked off with gates, but not from pedestrians. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So you remembering gates is accurate, but it's not blocked off to anybody. But uh. So I, I have to bring this back around. So the support was cool. Like it felt good to receive that. But what that made me realize is the lack of general support in people's lives without some event. Or- event. Not only from your friends and family, but from the public. They, I had my, I just had the letter E on my thing. So many people that were like either giving out water as official volunteers or the, I would probably say maybe 50, if not 75 people that just live on the track and it's their thing every year to just set up chairs and a table and just yell and hand out bananas and just sugars and carbs to like keep you going. One place with like pretzels and beers. These are strangers. That support was almost so they'd see my name tag from a few yards and yell, let's go E. And you're just like, the first time it happened, I was like, who's out here yeah. thinking it's a friend. But then it was a stranger. You're like, whoa, that's dope. But it's only happening because I'm in a race. And like, yeah, but like in public, like you're not. Because people don't know. Giving words of encouragement to people for anything. Yeah. You know, there's definitely a thing with runners on the street. And I think with bikers, like you acknowledge each other and wave yeah, and it's kind of like, hey, nod or you know, like, like yeah. um, and in my head, I'm thinking like, hey, 
I hope you're doing well or like keep running or yeah. if you're, you know, whatever. But it made me think about how it seems to take an event. Do you think that's because, do you think it's because people just don't know what other people are trying to do in their lives? Or do you think it's because, <sighs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's also, I think it goes back to like that lack of community where like you just are, it's, they're not tight knit communities anymore. So like you just don't know what people are trying to do or what they're doing. So we're in this big, huge, sprawling world now. And you only have the community that you're, you've cultivated that you're specifically in. And those people hopefully are giving you support. If they're not, you should probably find some new, a new community. <laughs> well, but, and so there's the the aspect of competition with outsiders, which goes back to tribes in the book tribe. He's like, if you're not in my tribe, you're competition. You might be trying to kill me. You might be trying to eat my prey. You might be trying to steal my woman, whatever it might be. So I look at you as competition until I know you. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think that's a valid kind of thing to think about. But I think what because I've thought about it so much because it was so powerful in a good way to make to just make you think like why doesn't this happen more I think a marathon or I think of like parallels but I think a marathon provides a window like me just running by that person knows something about me to say you know good luck or keep pushing or don't give up or you're looking good or whatever. Um, whereas with other journeys we're on or battles or whatever you want to call it goals you have, we're not providing, there's no window really provided for people to offer that encouragement unless they're like a close friend or they're asking or you're posting about it, which I do see. You know, every once in a while, I'll log on to Facebook and you'll see someone posting a thing and you'll see a bunch of comments of people being supportive. So I think a marathon or things like this provide a window. We talked about this on a podcast that we never released. It was about goal Lost setting. Tapes. Lost tapes. Oh, yeah. It was about goal setting. It was about like posting all of your goals for the year on Facebook mm -hmm. and then. Not only that, but then you're held accountable. Yeah. So I would imagine, but that that's the funny thing, right? Like. But then people are supportive of you. People are supportive, but I don't. It's if you, it feels funny to say, like, I don't want that attention. But it now that I've gone through this, I've realized how powerful that support is. It's not that you want the attention, but it's how much. I want to give support yeah, and be like, what are you doing? It could be as something as simple as like, I'm struggling on a thing at work and I'm trying to figure it out. And like maybe talking to some people outside of like just your friends. I mean, I guess you talk to your friends about stuff and you know, once you hear things, you ask, Hey, how's it going at your job? Like you have that, but it just feels felt so much more powerful to have it from so many people. And I don't want to, I don't really want to post my goals on Facebook or Instagram. 
but Why? it just feels lame. What about it feels lame? You know what I would like to do? I would what I would be interested in is posting them to a more curated group of people. That I, is that, that because you're worried about backlash or you're because you're worried that people will be like, oh, your goals are stupid? Or is it because you just don't think that you need to broadcast your goals to everyone? Yeah, I don't feel the need to broadcast. I do think there's some bit of like, yeah, I don't want to blast stuff out to the world. I mean, there are some goals and some interests that I have. And I think about some friends where I'm like, they don't they don't get it. They wouldn't get it. Or maybe they maybe I'm wrong and they would and should and could. (laughs) But uh, it's a good question. But like. I I do think there would be some more value in like sharing more stuff like that. Because that's the other thing that gal, Amanda Palmer, who wrote that book, The Art of Asking. There's so much to be said about like. Once you start talking about stuff. The universe does start to put things in place, you know, I was going to say by posting your goals. I mean, I've never done it. So uh, by posting your goals, it's almost like you are you're you're not you're not asking explicitly, but you're kind of asking indirectly. Because people who have similar goals or similar ideas probably are just going to want to connect, because if I saw someone post that thing because i've seen people post those types of things on facebook and i'm like that's super cool and i've reached out to them like hey like i want to learn more about what you're doing yeah because i'm super fascinated because i'm like that's a very parallel interest to what i to what i'm thinking about or doing and like so i almost always have reached out and just provided my support just hey that's really cool we'd love to know what you're doing we'd love to like connect about that i'll tell you this sometimes it doesn't go anywhere but sometimes it's just like you just send a nice message to someone to, to know they're kind of on on the right path yeah i mean it probably is the best thing to do in some regard for most people to talk more about their goals than they are just in general i didn't want to tell anyone that i was training for a marathon i don't know why i think it's because i think the biggest reason is is because we're afraid of what other people will think about our own personal goals. I think that is really hard for people to talk about outside of their very, very intimate circle. I know it's something that I would be scared to do because you immediate bring on judgment. Either either those goals are way too lofty or those goals are pathetic. And then you you feel like putting your goals out there, you're going to get judged for them. When in the reality, you should be like, fuck everyone. I'm putting my goals out there. These are what I'm trying to achieve. I'll accept your support if you, if you want. If you're going to hate on me, I'm going to ignore you. Yeah. But that's hard to do. I, I don't think you're wrong, but I don't think that doesn't resonate with me. What I... I think specifically about I think I could look at different goals and ideas and journeys like differently. 
for me specifically, like it was such a personal thing that I really didn't want attention about it. Like I just wanted to go about my way and do it. Yeah. But. But then I have to ask you, would, if you did all that and then you posted it on, let's say Instagram or Facebook, Hey, I just ran this marathon. Mm -hmm. You would then be in one way, shape or form looking for praise. What I was looking for was to encourage people. The first thing I did, the the only thing I said was something about it's a journey. Go as far as you want to go. Specifically for the few people that know me, that see that I did that, know that I'm in a place now where I could do that. But at one point very recently, I wasn't. To me, it's a tool to like that a thousand percent is the tool. And even if it's like one or what's the tool? That moment of saying, I just went, I've, I'm on it. We're all on a journey here. It's a journey. Go as far as you want to go. Just wanted to clarify. There was nothing. Sure. It's fun to like post about it, but to me, it felt more exciting or like purposeful to be like here go do what you maybe think you can't do. Like that was my caption. Mm -hmm. Go as far as you want to go. Cause that's kind of what it felt like to me. And it it just felt like a milestone. It didn't feel like some thing. It just felt like it almost felt like the beginning, you know, because people are like marathons are so crazy. No, they're just not literally. It's just an analogy for anything. Anything you were to train for, for three to four months, you would become decent and proficient at. Yeah, it's that symbolism that we talked about. But I want to go back to something as far as sharing and mentioning to friends. I think I do see a lot of people that to me want attention and to me that feels hollow. And I I really didn't want this like a marathon thing to be about look at me, I'm doing this. And I remember being out with a group of friends with Walker and Ryan and Ryan's wife, Jen, and a bunch of their friends. And Ryan's like a really good runner. But I just wasn't, I wasn't telling people that I was training, but like a few friends had found out and Walker, you know, we're all like buzzing and Walker's like, Ryan, did you hear Everett's doing a marathon? And I was like, come on, dude. Like, Cause then it becomes a thing. Like you're sitting there and everyone in the room's like, Oh, you're doing a marathon. It's like, I don't like, I don't want that. That's that only, weird to me. I don't that like only, that. That only happens in groups. That only happens in group settings. Yeah, sure. That's not really the point. The point was Ryan finding out really helped me a lot. Ryan's probably the best runner I know, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really thinking about like, let me go work with friends to do it. You know, but as soon as he found out, He's texting me from time to time. I'm going on a run. Do you want to come? And then once it became time for me to do a long run, I was going to do a an eight mile run. And he was like, oh, yeah, sure. I ended up running 12 miles. And then the day that I was going to do a 15 mile run, we ran 19 miles just because I just because I was with him. And yeah. it was just like, dude, you're fine. We're fine. 
you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I think some people like the attention. I think some people like or need praise. Yeah, we all have our different love language. But, uh, and I think it's okay. I think we all enjoy it. I think we all enjoy some praise, but like. Kind of weird if you didn't like any. To me, to me, there's zero interest in like seeking it, like seeking out, like I'm working towards this thing. So I want people to like respond some type of way. Like it's not, yeah, it has nothing to do with that. And if anything, I want to avoid that. It's just so, it's so fucking personal, you know? Yeah. But like, I guess what I'm realizing, the point of this conversation is by doing that, you might miss out on meeting someone like Ryan who all of a sudden we're on a run and I'm realizing, Oh, I can ask this guy a bunch of questions about like fueling, like what to eat. Like, what did you eat the night before? Like strategy, how much did you taper off? Like, so there's a, I don't know. There's a fine line to it, but anyway, the support thing was interesting. And I've been thinking about that a lot. And I feel like I've had a lot of just really good conversations with people just it's all it's, maybe here's the analogy. It's like, what's your marathon? It's like everybody's working on something, and that sounds corny as fuck. What what's your marathon? What's but like, your major? It's, but it's real, right? Yeah, especially with a bunch of people our age. There's something about, I think, around like your 30s, everybody starts having this like existential dialogue with themselves about. I think it's because you. I, I think it's because you've kind of, you you made it through your. You made it through like your your mid twenties at least, and so you kind of have some your 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 life is kind of starting to stabilize a little bit, and so you're like, hmm, like I need to kind of figure out some things like I, I want to do or things I enjoy. Um. So yeah, I think this dovetails really well into, kind of the the talk that we originally wanted to have, which was. Around doing things for ourselves and with 4th of July in two days, uh, talking about freedom. Freedom! Oh, God. And and how, like, what's your freedom? What's your marathon? But also, what's your freedom? What, what do you do that makes you feel, like, free? And as corny as that is, and I think we've talked about this before, where the idea of retirement isn't just being done from your job. You could just rename retirement freedom or being free. And it would make me want to get to retirement a lot faster (laughs) because, Oh, like not only do I not have a job, but I have freedom to do whatever I want, whenever I want. Obviously, hopefully you saved enough money at that point to be able to do whatever you want within reason. But I think, We've been kicking around this idea of we've had a lot of numerous ideas throughout the times that we've known each other and kind of never really kind of figured out what that next thing would be that would make us take the jump into trying to be completely unshackled from quote unquote like corporate chains working for ourselves. Yeah, the idea of of. I'm not super enticed by the idea of not having a job. What I'm enticed by or what I what I think 
the whole point of freedom is not having to be anywhere you don't want to be and not having to do things you don't want to do for money. And I think for a lot of major, I'd say it's like, what I think, I don't know what the stats are off the top of my head, but it's like some over 50% number where it's Most. like people aren't happy or don't, aren't doing what they really want to be doing. And so they're not pouring all of their creative energy into it. So they might be grinding away and they're on, they're on the, they're on the treadmill of life. And it's hard to get off the treadmill of life because we feel secure by having an income, but by having the ultimate security of having a, a, a weekly or monthly income, you give up a lot of freedom because you can't just go take a vacation whenever you want. You have to answer to managers. You have to do this and that. Um, but you have the security of having an income. You give up. You give up security for freedom. Yeah. And that's the risk. Not only that, but the risk goes up from a money standpoint is not only from freedom, but your earnings can go a lot higher if you are able to leverage other means of, of making money other than just having a salary because your salary can only go so high. Even the best salesman in the world can't make as much as a, a sole proprietor or a business owner. I mean, I guess that's all relative, right? Depends on the sales guy, depends on the business owner. But yeah. Yeah. So now what? I mean, should we tell? I mean, we've been kicking around this idea of. Well, I I think the big picture is important. Like and like how we're how we're thinking about that. And we're drinking a nice tempranillo by the way as well. It's pretty damn good. So our our thoughts are encouraged and inspired and lubricated. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I really do think that this conversation does map back to just, I think freedom is a big thing, but I think it's part of the formula of just like peace and happiness for the masses. Mm -hmm. Like the more people have freedom, the more time they have to actually take care of themselves. Yeah. Like most of us wake up five days a week and don't get me wrong. We're spoiled. Like we have people have in good, our culture, good jobs, yeah. Yeah. like in our little ecosystem, like people have yeah. good jobs. We're very, like, very, very fortunate. We don't know a lot sure. of people that are working like manual labor that are working seven days a week. Anyway, let's just say on paper for the, People working 40 hours a week, you know, Monday through Friday. But even then, we wake up and like most of our first motions are towards getting to this office. Like you're get, you're putting yourself together, taking a shower, getting dressed. You're getting in a vehicle or 
a bus or transits of some like to go to some other place to trade your precious time for some money for you to do things that you really want to do with what ends up being the vast minority of your time for 40 to 60 years only to maybe maybe be retired by the time you're 65 now you have your freedom now go do whatever you want with this little bit of money you've saved that seems backwards to me that model to me doesn't drive happiness and peace to me that's what we're working towards is like okay you don't want to be free and broke and you don't want to be free with nothing to do mm-hmm. so it's not like we're saying we don't we're not interested in money or we're not interested in working or a passion or a vocation or providing a service to our community at least for me this is like one of the bigger drivers is i think for myself the result of maybe you know turning some personal passion into a revenue stream would increase peace and happiness not only for myself but i can be a part of a wave that provides an example for other people to do it which i think is it's valuable to think of our lives in that regard not only are we living for ourselves like we're all setting examples for each other and yeah, i'm you know so inspired by Corey, who i met who you know i spoke to you at, spoke about with you at length spoke to you about at length makes sense i knew what you meant <clears throat> Corey runs a yoga retreat company and she's someone who's kind of made this transition from corporate full-time, you know, stressful job to doing it for herself, but also knowing that she's helping other people doing it. So the impact impact. is, you know, so exponential. Anyway, I think that's important to think about, like just how it's not just about us, like putting money in our bank account and not working for other people. It's like, I think there's something so big about it. And I think that's what drives the ultimate kind of utopia is if everyone's thinking about this, we actually need way less money and we need way less things Mm -hmm. because we'll be happier with more freedom and time to spend on each other, to spend eating the way we should be eating and to just, just have the time to do more shit anyway. So we get to this point to where you're thinking, kind of looking in the mirror, saying, okay, well, what could I offer? Like, am I an expert in anything? Like, not really. But I have some value. Like, what? You've got to find some balance between like, okay, a business means someone's paying for a service. I'm providing it for more than it costs me to provide. Okay. So I can make a little bit of money, but you don't want to just turn it into some other job. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's got to come from some place to where I guess one of the questions I hear from Naval is like, what have you always done regardless of if you were getting paid to do it or not? Cause that's, I guess the definition of a passion, right? Yeah. You're going to do it anyway. The other piece about that is if you, if that's the case, that's what allows you to outwork people or maybe outwork your competition or just do a really good job. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't know. I feel like that helps get us add a little bit more context to maybe why this idea that you want to discuss is on the table. And I like, I like the idea of like, what do you do all the time? Like, what are you doing consistently outside of just your job? Because a lot of times you ask like, Oh, what are you passionate about? It's like, well, I don't know. Like I go to the gym a lot and I play golf or I do read whatever, whatever it might be. And you don't really think of it as a passion. It's just something you do a lot. But like, if you're doing it a lot, it means you're spending a lot of your your freedom doing it. It means you're probably pretty passionate about it. Even if you might not realize, might not realize it. What do you think about the question of like a different way to ask it of like, if you were to have the day off on Thursday, like what's the first thing that comes to mind, you know? And I think everybody has that answer. Yeah. And it's okay if, even if that answer is a little bit silly, I think it's okay to think about that and think about how that could be your like passion business thing, whatever. It's okay if it's like, has. yeah, it's that's okay why if it's, it's like, that's why you're doing it. I want to get with my friends and go to brunch. Like, it's okay. Think about that. What is that? You're just getting some people together and you want to have some laughs and some drinks. There's service in there mm-hmm. to be provided. Yeah. So I ask you this, and one of the first things is obviously golf. <laughs> Jenna could answer that for me. Yeah, all your friends could. Yeah. Right. And so then you go, okay, well, what do you do with that? There's a lot. Um, for me, it's something that, like, obviously Evan, Evan knows really well. Is like we've always brought people together through some form of events or activities. That's just something we really enjoy doing. We're really putting things together that bring people together that allow people to have a really good time at. That's what I enjoy doing. That's what he's enjoyed doing. And we've also also always done golf events. We've put together golf trips. We do like an annual thing to Palm Springs. Always really look forward to doing that. Done some kind of other like minor trips similar to that as well. And You've got Always the drunk like, open every year. Of yeah, course. like putting the drunk open, which is coming up this, this Saturday, where we basically get as a lot of people put signing teams and figuring all the stuff out, coordinating tea times, and it's a it's a it's a like a mini job outside of our job. Yeah. Like it can, today alone, coordinating it for the Saturday probably has taken up three hours of my time. Outside of working at Amazon, of course. Yeah, not so, during company and time. It's only, it's only like eight eight o'clock right now. Um, and it's at Jackson Park this Saturday. Tickets are going fast, so we need a lot of community, <laughs> mainly on the second hole where there's a dizzy bat drunk. Uh, and the dizzy bat hole is where you, each player on your team, shotguns a beer, and your team counts how long it takes for you to shotgun the beer. And let's just say you shotgun your beer in five seconds. You then have to do five spins around your golf like. Your, use your golf club as your dizzy bat. Yep. Spin around and then hit your golf shot. With minimal delay in between finishing your spinning and swinging. And it's on a par three. So you've just blasted at least 12 ounces of beer into your face. And now you're dizzy trying to hit a golf shot. That's on creative. That's yeah. pretty creative. That's a fun thing to do at a golf course. Yeah. Just an example of your potential 
golf event planning creativity. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we walked through this to give them a bit of an example. Yeah. Anyway, not to derail. No, that's great. Uh, it's my favorite thing to tell people about the drunk open is that <laughs> that's whole... like one of the first things I mentioned too. They're like, what's a drunk open? I'm like, well, there's a dizzy bat. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what's a dizzy bat? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess we could call it Dizzy Club. Yeah. Ooh, that's kind of a kind of nice ring to it. It the, does kind of sound The Dizzy nice. Club. Yeah. Getting turned. Sounds like a, a scary nightclub. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that is scary. But, but yeah. And just to the uh, one of the points we were talking about earlier, uh, thinking about asking your friends and family maybe about that, like, it's kind of, it can be kind of weird and almost a little scary to think like, like, what if you had to, what if your job one day, actually Naval has like a, a social kind of experiment idea that he was like, if our government funded people, like I think in like five year increments for you to like leave a job and go learn a new vocation for six months it would create this economy of people that are feeding their passions. At the end of the day, like we don't need everybody making a shit ton of money. No. We need people being happy. Yeah. Um, so he does have this idea. So let's think about this. Like if you had, to, what if you had to, your job was like, Hey, Merry Christmas. You get to go work on whatever the fuck you want. Part of that. Yeah, I mean, most people would shit their entire pants. Like, they're like, well, what am I going to do? Yeah. But like, steps one through five should be ask the people that know you the best. Like, what should I do? Yeah. And one of the things about you is absolutely planning these things that bring people together. So that's a, you know, I'm sure a lot of other people would say the same thing. But as we're, as we're considering this idea, it feels right for you to be considering something like, like that. Yeah. You know, which, which is, I think just super important for like the realism of it. Mm -hmm. Like, are you doing it just cause it'd be cool or because you think you could make money or because you just want to golf? No, I think it, there's gotta be some real criteria to what your thing could potentially be. Mm -hmm. And I think having a few people that know you really well say, yeah, I think that could be your thing seems important. Yeah, because they see things about it that maybe you don't, mm -hmm. or they could say, "Listen, dude, not a good. I kind of think you're full of shit." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's important. Which is really valuable. are we writing a book right now? Feels like we should be writing all these steps down. Luckily, we're recording. So <laughs> are we recording? Are we recording? Uh, okay, so here we are. Here we are. Yeah, you like getting it's, pulling it's, people together. Golf has been a kind of a conduit. Yeah. That's kind of where I think I really interrupted you. So sorry. No, I mean, I think that's kind of where we're at. It's like, we've also really into like mindset, um, just the mental side. And what I've, what's always really attracted to me about golf is like, there are so many ways that mental health, different mental things play into not only golf but then really relate into just normal life like your everyday life like there's so many ways that it just relates to it because you're out there by yourself 
competing really against yourself, but and in and in the real world, you need to be able to be able to conquer these things that you're coming up against on an ongoing basis. You need to be able to accept yourself, love yourself, be able to dig deep. You need to be able to have perseverance, be able to grind. You need to have all these types of things, be able to enjoy the moment. It could go on forever that really relate to a round of golf versus which is so different than any other sport because you have so much time in between shots to just like there's nothing going on there's no there's no actual physical activity going on it's it's kind of that mental game that you're playing with yourself Mm -hmm. and and how do you how do you how do you conquer that in a way that's productive to the game and also to yourself on an ongoing basis just for like life in general which i think is just it's it's uh there's just so many parallels which i've which i've come to realize Mm -hmm. because not getting mad at a shot not getting mad at a bad shot is kind of the same as like not getting down yourself when something at work doesn't go right or like when something else doesn't go right in your life it's like oh that's just like one thing like maybe it was out of my control or maybe it was but like it's okay like it's just one thing like we can move on to the next thing yeah yeah, the parallel is regardless, shit's going to happen, but you must move on. Yeah. Like you can never go back in your life or on a golf course and just redo the thing Yeah, that's bothering you. But what's always present is the next shot or mm-hmm. the next meeting or day at yeah. conversation with your significant other, like whatever. Yeah. So that's always really attracted to me about golf. And then I've also always, always 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 been really interested in like physical health and i think the more i've gone into yoga the more i've seen the benefits of being really involved in yoga have to like golf and just like mobility flexibility um and just i think it's just really valuable for that and so kind of pairing all those things and then of course weightlifting um mobility strength um, and also endurance. I think if you're walking 18 or 36, like having God, having that endurance on like holes 15, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, when your opponent is not in as good a shape for you, I, I play in my match play events where I'm going head to head against a person and I know that they're not in shape and I know I'm in shape and I know I can walk those last couple holes and I I can see them like tiring out. I'm like, I have a mental advantage. I have an advantage physically in them right now. And that gives me an advantage mentally when I'm playing against them. So I think all of those things, which are a lot of different aspects really interest me about bringing value to like other people who are really interested in golf. Um, But then putting all that together for people that can bring people together, I think is what really interests me. Now, how do I go about finding the right audience? How do I go about finding the right type of agenda, locations, tournament, whatever I want to put together? How like that's where I'm kind of we've only been kicking around this for a little bit, but like that's kind of where I'm stuck at is like what would be the next specific steps? Because there's so many different aspects I could take this in. It could be a let's go do a golf trip where there's it's instruction heavy, or there could be a one where it's like it's very spiritual, like you're going to go, we're going to go play a lot of golf, but it's also going to be kind of find yourself. Like there's going to be a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga, a lot of like just talking in general, or there's just like, Hey, let's just go play some fun tournament games. Like the drunk open, just get really turned and have a great golf trip. Yeah. And I, I would put that whole format together 
figure out all the prizes, all that kind of stuff. You just show up, have a great time and you leave and you're like, oh, that was a great time. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways I could go about it. And I'm not, I don't know what's the right way. Yeah. I think. Like. You know, the first question or part of it is like, yeah, what is the target audience? But when I think about like the skill sets at the table, it's kind of like you are the target audience. Cause like you've got to get people to pull the trigger and spend their money. And so you have to ask yourself, would I spend my money on this? So then it becomes like, what would what would you spend your money on? You know? I would spend my money on because <laughs> Mikey Nevin would uh, laugh at this, but get better every day used to be this thing. I would throw around with him all the time. That was a running joke with me. Um, But it's like, I want to go somewhere where not only am I going to have fun, but I'm also going to leave with value that I can take to um, something else. So whether that's be really understanding how I can navigate around a golf course better, whether I can, how can I have a stronger mental game? how can I get my body more in shape and more aligned and more just fluid so that my golf swing's just better? All right. How all those types types of things I want to be able to leave and be able to implement that into my daily life for when I go out and play golf that I hopefully will become a better golfer because of it. So I'm writing these down. Let's just say someone's marketing to you a five day trip. Okay. What do you want out of it? One, get better every day. What else? What will have you, I guess, think about it in two ways. What would, would you maybe see or infer from like the quote marketing package that would make you go, ooh, I think I'd spend my money on this. But also think about when you get home, what do you want to feel like you're walking away with? One, I would say would be fun, like tournament style golf. Like whether that be a scramble, but like fun tournament, like style. fun, not like stroke, okay, okay. like pure stroke play. Like that's kind of just that to me is just boring. Um, that's just you're playing golf. Um, so some some form of fun tournament style play, whether that be individual or team. I personally love team golf the most, so I would love to do 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 that more than anything. Um, and then I think would be and this is where i've also thought is like bringing in like outside experts or i I hate to use the word guru but i mean i think that goes in line with get better every day like how would you really get better like that would be a huge key i think bringing someone who's like whether it be like a a sports psychologist or like a yoga a a well-renowned yoga instructor who's also a golfer who maybe teaches yoga for golf I think that would be really interesting. Oh, or maybe if we go, maybe if it's not yoga, maybe it's like golf workouts. Like what, what can I do in the gym that I can do to like increase my swing speed, make sure that my body's aligned um, so that I don't have back, get back injuries when I'm golfing a lot or whatever it might be. Um, so this, this might sound a really extreme to like the person who golfs like once or twice a month. Or, or less, but I'd say this probably not. Those people probably won't be interested in this type of uh, format, but you know, yeah. know. Yeah, I'd imagine you could take some of the uh, the actual 
research down to like the demographic of like the person that plays the person that plays the enough golf call it i guess in seattle it's obviously different than sunnier places but let's just say i don't know if you'd look at it yearly or monthly let's say three to four rounds of golf i would imagine someone who plays less than three times a month wouldn't be interested in this a and B wouldn't have the money. Mm. I wouldn't say have the money. They probably wouldn't dedicate the money to an activity like that. Right. Maybe that's what you're saying. Yeah. Kind yeah. of the, yeah. Yeah. Um, I put those things under, under get better every day, but you know, the, those can be different. What, what else? So you've got, You've got fun play. What what do you think about so and I I asked this coming from like the experience I had on my yoga retreat. Fun is so broad. Like everybody had fun, but like I wanted to party. Right? Like how do you think about that? Especially when you think about like men maybe or I I guess I should be careful. I should excuse myself from continuing to say men. Just as Corey was having some difficulty attracting men to her yoga retreat, part of it, I think, is because she's thinking too much about women. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'll stop saying men, but let's just talk about people. But when I do think about us and our friends, like I would want to know that it's like some of the time I'm going to be able to like let loose and just party and like not feel like I'm out of thing. I would say fun on the golf course and then fun like um, in like the evenings. It wouldn't be we're up at the crack of dawn doing things like it wouldn't be a drip, drip, drip. It wouldn't be 100 percent serious all the time because that's I don't like that. I like serious some of the time when I'm trying to actually get better. But um, I think being able to just kind of maybe there maybe there's like one tournament that's just like a, a, a drunk, drunk open style tournament where it's like, yeah you're you're just having a good time and that's really the only thing that matters in the end and then there's other ones where it's a little bit more serious and then also you can thank you and then it's also making sure to not have the agenda so set that people can really do what they want if they want to go off and party and if other people want to just be more um chilling they can do that but I think setting an environment in wherever the people would be staying would be really important to facilitate that vibe. Cheers. Cheers. It's been a while since we cheers on the podcast. It has been. Did I was listening to the Joe Rogan and the one on the plane and they were like cheersing the whole a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. It got me really excited. We're drinking a 2017 La Granja Tempranillo from Spain. It's good. If I recall 2017. It was a dry year for the grapes that year, which I think is what speaks for the tannins. Anyway. <laughs> that sounds like a quote out of Seinfeld. <laughs> Should be. Uh, okay, so fun on and off the course. Yeah. And I think there could be, and it would be interesting to do tests of like, more serious formats of like a trip or a retreat or however we want to 
whatever you kind of format it as. And then just like pure fun, like just fun all the time. I'd like to propose an idea. Please do. And it's purely marketing. But my proposal is that you don't use the word retreat. Yeah, I don't like from the word this retreat. day forward. Like as retreat. as we continue to brainstorm this idea, let's not let that word because I think that word has some connotations with it. Yes, I think it's got some prohibitive stigma, mm, especially. Yeah. Let's be real. I would imagine that most your audience is going to be dominated by men. They don't want retreat. Could be the same thing, but let's I I, I challenge us to not say now. retreat, but it makes me it arrives at another question. Like, what is that word? Like, what is this thing? Yeah, because I don't like I don't like trip either. Yeah. I think there's something that we don't have to, I guess, get lost in it right now. But there's a way to think about this that very appropriately it kind of encaptures what it is and what we want it to sound like. Yeah. And what you're getting, like, what are you getting? Like you hear music, you hear Coachella and you hear music festival and mm -hmm. it's like that works. You're like, okay, I get it. But like, um, and you know what? There's a, there's a yoga and like mindfulness based thing that you could say has a very very much a retreat aspect to it called lightning in a bottle you may have heard oh, yeah, yeah. justin and laura it's talking about it yeah they call that a festival i mean it is a festival but as far as the marketing i i guess like branding side of it um it was something that i was speaking with Corey about that like hey men would love what's going on here but the way this is written on paper and the way that it's packaged it, you look at it and go, that's maybe not for me. Yeah. So I think that's, it's super important to, I guess maybe keep that question in mind as we think of it. Cause the answer will come to us versus sitting here and trying to think of the word. Yeah. That never works. But, um, but I think, I think that helps with, you know, it helps with the, the overall kind of planning idea of it to not, I don't know. Kind of sets the mood. Yeah, sets the mood, helps you think of other ideas. I think there's something about retreat that does say um get away. And and you're when I hear, especially when I hear yoga retreat, it makes me think certain things. It makes me think I'm not on my phone. It makes Zen. me think zenful, yeah. very relaxing. Yeah. Spa. Um, that's what I think of. But it also does make me think about discovery. It makes me think about pausing. It made me think about what can I learn from some of these other people that are there. So when I think about like, you know, golf or some of my friends, like what would they want to hear? Like what would they really want to, what would they spend their money on? Like that's the yeah. question at the end of the day. Yeah. And that has to be just so bulletproof. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't want to be embarrassed. Well, you might be embarrassed by sharing your lofty goals with people, but you want to, you'd want to be able to stand behind this and go, I'm asking you to spend X amount of dollars because I'm providing this to you and the name should reflect that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. No, sorry. that's a good point. I think naming is so important. So important. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to continue down this path of like, yeah. what else are you getting out of it? 
So fun on and off the course. Um, I would say, I would say connections with other people. Yeah. Cause then it might be the kind of thing where let's say the trips in. And I was thinking about talking about this with Jenna. I was like, I know Palm Springs really well because my parents have a place there. Shout out to John and Jenna. Yeah. If I, I probably the place I'm most familiar with people, let's say people are coming in from South Carolina, Texas, Washington, Oregon, Nebraska. There's great golf courses all around the world, all around the U S I don't know about Nebraska, (laughs) maybe like Ohio. I know there's great golf courses in like Ohio, but then they're going to have their own experiences and great golf courses and great things that they're going to talk about. And one of the most fun things about golf is, shooting the shit about the stories that you have yeah. in golf. Like that's one of the, like, the most fun things talking with someone that you may have never met with because it's a very common thing. And you can just talk for hours with someone about golf because you have so many experiences. You can talk about all the shots, things you did that were stupid on a golf cart, whatever it might be. Uh, and I think it will really, those connections are really easy to have. And then the more and more you start to cultivate that community with people, it almost becomes like, hey, like, have you thought about doing something like that here in this area? Like, this course is really cool. I think this environment, this community, this town might have it. That's that's really ideal. I was actually thinking like Whistler might be a really dope spot to do something like that at. Yeah. Because they have some really nice courses. Whistler as a village is really fun, really fucking fun. Uh, But it's also kind of can be really peaceful if you want it to be. Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned that I've always, um, thought about how you're golfing for, let's just use a time of four hours. Like I just did the math really quickly. When you talk about how much time you have to connect with somebody else on the golf course, if let's just say, if it takes you 20 seconds to execute each stroke and you shoot a 90 That's only 30 minutes of actual golfing. The rest of the time, you're just walking around with other people. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and you're four hours is conservative. You say yeah. four and a half, and there's only 30, 30 real minutes of the entire time where you're standing over a ball with a club. Yeah. The rest of your time, you're literally just hanging out with somebody else. Yeah. So that that is, a, you know, obviously just a super valid bullet point. So I think that, and I think then like, depending on like the relationship that you like, like you, when you went on, when you went to to Mexico, you said, oh yeah, now I know this, this, this couple in New York or this gal in New York, like, and I want to go like have a conversation with them. I want to go and like meet up with them when I'm in New York for, for business. Like they said, like they would love to have me over for dinner. And it's like, oh wow, you're such a sweet lady. Like, that'd be awesome. Like, I think being able to have those types of experience, like. Especially if like those people like have access to like cool courses or like cool areas, like, you know, like you're just increasing your network of people that you enjoy doing like-minded things with. And the more and more I talk with my mom who also plays a lot of golf, she plays a lot of tennis. She's, she's in uh, a book club. By the way, my mom's in a book club with Matisse Thibel's grandma, which is kind of dope. He just got drafted uh, in the NBA. I can't, I can't remember by what team. Mm from UW 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to say the Pacers, actually. Yeah, I think the Pacers. But I'm not sure. Zilstra told me that the other day, but I'm not positive. Yeah. Anyways, that's the kind of person where it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, his grandma is in my mom's book club. But my mom... Do you know what book they're reading? I don't know. Uh, She said one that we actually really want to read it, the two of us, um, is... And I've heard this book is phenomenal. It's like The Power of Introverts, I think. Basically how, like... People who are are introverted have a lot of power, but American society is so be out there, be really loud, like all this kind of stuff that like we don't oftentimes like see the value in introverts when actually they hold a lot of power and really valuable insight because they're they they pause and they think um, and they're very thoughtful about things. And so I really want to read that book. I'm really fed really up with all the discussion. namings, all the naming and the fucking stigma. Yeah. You're not an introvert. It's, I just, well, I shouldn't say People that. Just put but labels. Like, you want to put a label on someone who's quiet. Yeah. That doesn't mean that a person isn't packed full of value and is hilarious exactly, and yeah. is super warm. And you can be an outgoing introvert. Yeah. Right. You're just not going out of your way to be the loudest person in the room. So that's the, so that was the book fucking that. Fucking stigma out there that. What I think grinds my gears about it is that it gets in the way of progress. It's just, just the social stigma of labels and words make you label yourself. So then you start to become, you start to fit yourself even more and more and more into that label. That, and when someone suggests an idea to you, you're subscribed to the stigma to that idea, and that could get in the way. Meditation is that way. Therapy is that way, having conversation, being emotional, like so many things that are healthy that everyone should be doing. Mm -hmm. So many people don't do because they just hear and go, well, that's probably not for me because just because of the way it sounds. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Anyways. Rant over. True. Very all for the moment. All all good points. Um, So but anyways, my mom has always been a, a joiner. She joins things. She cultivates this community. And every single thing that I've really learned from her, which if I were to ever move away from the Seattle area where I didn't have a close group of friends, I didn't have this community, I would join something that I could start to make connections with within a shared activity that I could then expand my network with people that I have a shared interest in, whether it be books, whether it be golfing, tennis, bicycle riding, shotgun shooting, volleyball, knitting, whatever it might be you then know people around the world that have that same interest that if you stop in town, they would probably love to show you around. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think everyone really values that. Like that's mm-hmm. always really cool. Whenever I hear someone say, Oh yeah, I met this, I met my friend that I met studying abroad or I met when I was traveling overseas or I met cause I was doing X, Y, and Z from this marathon or whatever it might be. Uh, and I met them when I was in New York. I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Like you actually stayed in touch with them. Like, that's really that's really cool. Like everyone yeah. always like thinks I always think that those stories are cool. Yeah. You can make lifelong friends with someone at any given moment. Yeah. So I think that is another thing that is kind of like an underlying value across the whole idea of like bringing those people bringing people together. Um, and then you mentioned something earlier that I kind of wrote down preemptively, but uh, we kind of breezed over it. 
you mentioned Palm Spring. Well, you mentioned Whistler. Uh, how much emphasis would you want to put on like really exploring the environment, like what's unique to that environment, to where you are? I, I, I would imagine a lot. I, I'm yeah. asking kind of a thought provoking question because I know it would be important to us. Like if I'm going on a golf retreat and it, name any place, I'd want to be like, well, am I going to see the cool thing in Whistler? Like a couple of cool bars, like a cool course. Like, is there a site that I should go see? Is that you? Agree? And I think, yes, I, I wouldn't. Otherwise you could just do that. You go anywhere. Just, you can go anywhere. But I do think that part of the really cool thing about golf versus like tennis or volleyball or anything else is that golf is almost a sightseeing thing in itself. You're oh, if, for sure if, is, like yeah. on Pebble Beach or these iconic courses um, that you're playing. It's just so beautiful out there sometimes. You're like, this is really like sometimes you're playing a course and you might be playing absolutely terrible, but you're like, this course is so sick. Like that I'm being just on it and like seeing yeah. it in person. Like that's like, like some of the courses I've seen in like, like Cabo or like insane. It's like you're in like this, this coastal water. There's like desert rocks and canes all around you, but like, it's so insane. Like might be the hardest golf course ever, but like, I think just even being on those types of courses is like an experience enough to like carry you over. But if you were to go to a specific area, I think I would want to build in time so that people can go and explore if they want to. So right. um, they, I would want to make sure like if it was a Whistler, you could go up the mountain and and take the gondola all the way up to the top and see it because it's really cool being up there. You'd have time to go into the village and and things like that. I also kicked around the idea of doing more like remote places out in like, let's say the like peninsula or maybe in specific areas like Palm Springs, where there might not be a lot to do outside of golfing, would be to have a big home, Airbnb or something like that, where everyone has, everyone stays there together, and then bring in like a, a chef from like outside that like cooks mm. all the meals. That would be like really, really phenomenal meals. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. So it's not like a bunch of guys getting together and making eggs and bacon in the morning <laughs> and, and it'd be very much more that kind of this would definitely be kind of that next level of from a price point if you're paying for a chef it'd just be a little bit more expensive but um it'd be interesting to just even like evaluate the cost versus that versus staying in a hotel and eating out every night well i i can tell you this much one of the things that i did like and i think helped me pull the trigger on my first retreat with revamp was that two meals were provided a day in my cost and they were very much in the, the food was in line with the overall kind of idea yeah. and value of it that it was healthy nutritionally dense like it was great food if you had any uh restrictions they catered to that for everybody which was cool um so, so I just put food, but like whether it's a chef or food prescribed from like an on-site restaurant or nearby restaurants, I do think, at least for me and I think for a lot of the other people in, in my group, it was nice to have a few times where you went out yeah, and the explore freedom. on your own, yeah, the to freedom, yeah. to come full circle. 
but also you're tired. Like you're busy. It was hot in Mexico. Like it's nice to kind of just have shit provided. And that's like on the schedule. It's like, Hey, you're doing yoga. You're going on this hike. You're doing this other stuff and dinners at this time every day. Yeah. You're, so I think that's a big value. Whenever you take away decisions that people have to make, it frees up your energy to like, just have more fun and have better conversations and do whatever you really want to do at a, at a more focused and high energy level. Yeah. Which I think is something that when people plan their own trips really gets in the way of like your enjoyment of it is that they don't think about that. You're, you're yelping. You're like on the spot. It's the worst, especially in a group. Yeah. You got six people. I mean, we've, we were just there. I mean, we're, everyone's been there, but you're all sitting either in the lobby or you're on a group text or we're in downstairs at your parents' place in Palm Springs and I'm going to go to brunch. It's like, where? It's like, fuck, are we on vacation? Like, I just want to, yeah, I, don't I want, want everything to be easy. Yeah. I want things to be, I want decisions to be made for me. So I don't even have to think about it because then you're like, oh, well, it's on Yelp. Like, I don't even know if it's good. Like, <clears throat> or if you're asking the concierge, you're like, well, how do I trust them? You know, it's like. I think a little bit of anxiety comes from if you are making a decision, you're is like, it, what if I'm making the wrong one? Yeah. And then someone else has an idea. It's like, well, you know, all these dynamics about it. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I just put that down as food. I put chef prescribed, um, chef slash prescribed, just kind of different ideas. Um, anything else that like really stands out? I, I think I think we should you'd have to break this out. Get better every day is obviously an overarching thing. But I think for golf, I think that there could be a real uh I think the mindfulness play is a big could be a big value. I I, I would say but like to, to have to bring in that person who could really speak to that. Yeah. And earlier when we were talking, I was already thinking of like, okay, well, let's just say you went to Whistler. Okay. You could maybe just like hire, you know, like you'd maybe go up there and interview some of the nearby pros to like come and they could be a, you know, you find one who kind of has the energy and kind of gets the vision of what you're trying to do and could, you could work with them to like, cater whatever they're bringing to the to the mm-hmm. not retreat retreat <laughs> to the camp whatever um if you could find someone who was like who had that uh well i guess what i was thinking about earlier is the funny thing that Corey has to do is most of her most of her ret- retreats she has to pay for the yoga people to fly to the destination yeah for them to stay and then probably just pay for their services to be there. Yeah. If you're going to do a golf thing in Whistler, you can maybe find someone who's already there. You don't have to pay for them to travel. Like yeah. you're just Same paying for their costs. services. So that helps. But to really find that person who, when everyone's exposed to them, they're like, ah, like they go this, home and tell people about right, it. Right. This, That's what, yeah. those are the moments you want. You want moments that, people go home and they tell other people about yeah. because they're like, that was so cool. I had 
this person, this pro or whatever, like tell me about this experience. And like, I was like, whoa, I never thought about that like that or. But that's where I think your responsibility really comes in, in that you'd probably have to talk to a handful of people to find that person. Yeah. Who. Who, let's just say, or just just thinking about golf, like. Has a, the actual golf chops, right? One of the cool things about JQ and um, Zoe were that like they got up there and like they could do anything they were talking about and were ridiculously strong and flexible and mm-hmm. just also had just like the personal energy of like, OK, I, I believe in you and yeah. I believe you. Right. So you need your golf guy to have that same thing. So like that's a huge challenge. The mm-hmm. logistics of just getting everyone there is one thing, but like that's a personality thing. You know, yeah. you get you get 10 people together. You can't be, bring some fucking dweeb out here who like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's be real. Like the person's got to be legit. Otherwise, I I 1000 percent would be sending up the fuck. I pay for this. Yeah, asshole. Yeah, Look, yeah. Come out here. Tell me what. There's nothing worse than than going that. to being at a conference or something like that. And you're like. I was in I was at a conference for AWS. It's like our internal sales conference. And I was like. You guys. Hey, you guys brought this guy to speak. Dude, it's the worst. I was like, I was actually, it was one of those things where like I was motivated to leave feedback on how bad it was and how big of a waste of time it was. And then right. there were other people where I was like, that was so like right. enlightening. Like I wanted to go back and tell a bunch of people about it. And of course you have some things in the middle, but the more you can trend on the side of like, that was really cool. Like that was really interesting. That Those are the things that you want. That's what everyone strives for, and that's what's hard. But I think I think you bring up a good point of of interviewing people, making sure not only are they a right fit from a personality, but from a content perspective. Yeah. Can they tell those stories? Can they tell those techniques? Those those tactics. And do you want to hang out with them? Yeah. Like you know, it's a big thing. Yeah. How cool would it be if you could like? Almost almost like taking the idea of a caddy to the next level, like golfing an entire round with somebody like that. It'd be hard logistically and cost wise, but like to me, so that I think it's important to think about ideas that excite us. Yeah. That's exciting. What if you were golfing with someone who like maybe got to spend a little bit of time with you before playing around and you're golfing and the whole time he's maybe maybe it's his course, kind of like how a caddy knows his greens mm-hmm. and how fairways run and stuff like that. Like that would be sick to somehow be able to provide that to a group. Yeah. That's a really good idea because I have always been really psyched up about like the idea of like a a playing lesson. Like I don't want to go just get lessons. I want to, I want to go out on the golf course and be like, all right, in this situation, I'm a, I'm a golf pro or I'm a very I'm a very proficient golfer, whatever it might be. This is you're an amateur golfer. You're like a 15, 16 handicap. This is how you're looking at the course. And I'd be telling them like my thoughts, but, and then they would be saying, okay, well, what's your mindset? Do you, are you taking all of these things into effect? Like, and then it might just open up your eyes completely to the way that a pro or someone very good at golf plays the game. And how you can immediately start reducing and making yourself better, getting better every day 
by just changing the way that you're thinking, not yeah. even changing the physical, phys- the, the the physics of it that you have. Yeah, I, that's always that could be something super excited me. Is like I want to go out there and play with someone who can just be like talk with me on like every shot and be like, well, like okay, that was a physical error. That's okay. Like everyone's going to make physical errors, but like, how did you navigate around the golf course and what was your mindset the whole time? Like that is what. I've always really been intrigued by because I think those are the things that are, that are invaluable. Like I'm going to make a lot of physical errors, but how can I just make sure that I, how can I reduce my errors as much as possible in what's controllable to me? And I think those it's like, it's like a chess player, a, a really great chess player sees the game so different than an amateur. It's just no matter what you read or no matter how many times you play, unless you have that that skill and understanding of the game, like you just you just see things differently. And, and you 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 take into specific things differently. And I think it's there's a lot of missed opportunity by people who don't see those types of things. This is not just golf. This is everything. Right. What if. There's obviously some caveats to this, but it would be pretty cool if you if everybody was to show up and play their first round by themselves or just as your group or whatever, and then your yeah. next round is with this trainer person or whatever. Yeah. Obviously, you could say that, of course, some improvements might happen from playing the course a second time, yeah. even if you're by yourself, but just the idea of, you know, all that help. There's a famous, there's a pretty famous story it's about a, a golfer who um, was in like the military. Um, he was like a, his best round that he'd ever shot was like a, uh, like a 92 or a 91. And he hadn't played golf for five years, came back from the military, said he wanted to start golfing again. And somehow he got connected to like this professional golfer. It was like one of those like stories. And the professional golfer said, took him out and said, all right, if you listen to every single word that I say and you do exactly what I say on the golf course, I guarantee you, you'll shoot under 80. He shot a 74 when the best round he'd ever shot beforehand was a 92 and he hadn't played golf in five years. And the pro, he was like a hall of fame golfer, literally just took him around the golf course and told him what to do. Aim here, do this exact thing. Like not even from a technique standpoint, like this is how you get around a golf course. Mm-hmm. And not only did he shoot under 80, he shot like a 74, yeah. which was like insane. I really wish I knew the names on it, but like I've read it. I've read that story in like multiple different like articles and, and books before. We should look it up. I'm sure we can find it. But uh, I think those are the types of things where it's like, whoa, like I think that'd be really cool. Because then you see the value. You're like, I'm doing things this way, but I could be doing things this way. And that's when you feel really good about spending your money mm-hmm. is when you like the value hits you in the face. Yeah. And you're like, oh, got yeah. it. Yeah. And then that's from a business and scale standpoint. There's nothing. I don't think there's anything more powerful than like those that word of mouth when you get home and you're like, here's what I experienced and enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And then you've got more customers. Yeah. Sidebar. You know how much I love serendipity right now. Mm-hmm. 
Corey Zorns, CEO of Revamp Retreats, just texted me. No way. Yeah. So I thought I would tell you that because I haven't, I don't really talk to her that much, but it's like she knows. That's funny. The world trying to rip her ideas. Although that's not true. We're just inspired by her. Yeah. Um, What concerns do you have about this idea as a venture? Uh, Biggest concerns are not being able to figure out the right format. What's the right balance of fun, instruction, value, cost, location. Also, I think. So the whole thing. I, I, I I think it's just figuring out like being able to refine it into something that like people want to do on like a consistent basis uh, not them on a consistent basis but like repeatable audiences that would be interested across like all areas yeah uh, i think that's a concern is i don't i don't know what that is do and, you, I, and i think another concern too is like guys aren't big at like just paying other people to like do things at least at like maybe our our age group right now i know that like my dad does bike rides where he pays it's called lizard cycle or lizard head or some of that and they basically do curated bike rides he shows up with his bike somewhere in new mexico or california or wherever it is and he gets everything is done for them he just has to show up ride his bike from point a to point b gets off hotels all set meals are all set lunches are all set there's support riders and then he gets he goes to sleep he wakes up the next day, he rides a bike, does repeats that for five, four, five, six, seven days. Um, my concern is guys at our age don't quite do that. They will, they plan their own things. They're yeah. like, I, they're like, I don't see the value in someone planning this for me. Like I want to, yeah. I, I want to I, I do this themselves. So I think that's, I think that might be a guy thing versus a girl thing. I, I don't, I don't really know. I think that I view that though as a challenge versus well i mean obviously it's great to have a as a concern and talk about it but when i hear that all it makes me think is like could we literally sit here and write something that's so dope that 10 of our friends would pay for it and by that i mean would we like could could we could we come up with something and 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 go up to Evan and go up to I, I guess some of our friends maybe are more of the demographic, some of them are some of them aren't, but could we go to some of these people and say, look at this, what do you think? Yeah. And would they say, I would do that right now? Like that's market research. Yeah. 101. Like step one. Yeah. Could we do that? And right now, like there's some great ideas here. And I think we're close. Like, and I even for myself, because I think I could we could probably Google golf retreat right now and I'd look at probably actually, everything. And we searched it. There wasn't much. Really? There really wasn't that much. Yeah. Interesting. There's a lot of golf trips, and then there were and then there were a lot of golf instruction. Probably nothing. There, I would, I'd be shocked if we could find a getaway or whatever the fuck you'd call it 
that includes golf and mindfulness and potentially some like physical, like physically educating piece of it. That's not the actual golf yeah. bundled into one. And that's like reasonably priced. Yeah. I'd be, I think we'd be hard pressed to find that. Yeah. Which so is exciting too. to me. Mm-hmm. And if we could find it, I doubt that I would like the way that it looks. Yeah. I'd look at it and go, that's corny. That's cornballs. <laughs> Trash. Well, if it's, that's real, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Like, yeah. think about who our friends, like so many of our friends are assholes and they would go, here's, the, here's, here, this would be like the real good <laughs> test is if we were to make something, this would be fun. This could be a fun experiment. Let's make it, make our own flyer or whatever and go like, hey, we found this thing. What do you think? Cause they, then they'd be more honest mm-hmm. and someone would go, that looks dumb. Maybe they'd still probably muffle their honesty a little bit because it's harassing them and an idea, but it could be kind of funny. And the thing is we could totally BS it. We wouldn't have to actually plan the whole thing, but it'd be funny for you and I to sit here we'll be funny. and write out what we think would be the, the dopest thing mm-hmm. and put a price point on it for five days or whatever the thing is. And then go to a few people who we think would be interested. Maybe that's the better thing. Who do we think would be interested besides us? Yeah. Frankly, I don't know a ton of people that I think would be interested. I don't know many people that are meditating in general. Yeah, neither do I. You know, there's some beautiful irony with it, though. Spencer had Visual Axe Golf yeah. meditation app. Is that like six or seven years ago? How nuts. I remember he said he was like, I could be totally off of this, but he was like, yeah, it was like a non, it's like a 10, 15, 20 grand thing that I never touched. Yeah. That you would just pull in like year after year. I meant to check and see if it's still in the app store. I'm not sure. And it was his voice. Yeah. Well, he did updates and then it wasn't after a while. Mm. I think he got some gal to do it. Yeah. But, uh, He'd be a really interesting guy to talk to. As a matter of fact, he could be an instructor at one of these things. Yeah, he could. That's that's the type of person who has like. And I think, you know, honestly, I think we would find more people that have the sort of mental. The mindset along with the physical skill set, I think we'd find more than we'd expect. I think so, too, because I think at a high level. If you think about pros, they do a lot of mental training. A lot. And it's weird that there's not a lot of focus on that. I think so. I follow a good number of golf podcasts and just do a follow a good number of golf blogs. It, the mental side of it comes up a lot. Really? It does. Well, come I, up a lot. I think I'm thinking more so in, um, in just the general media. In the general media, it doesn't come up. I've heard some And I'm not saying just golf. I'm saying all sports oh, because yeah. it happens with all athletes. They yeah. all do mental training. I think I think I notice it more just because it's like something I'm interested in. So like when I read, oh, what do the what did the Warriors do during their back-to-back championship run that like kept them in the moment? And it was a bunch of quotes about Kevin Durant being present. And they were asking him when he hit that big shot in like game two or three or four, whatever it was against, whatever it was against the Cavaliers. And the reporter asked him after after the after the interview, I like 
was like, how, like, how did you come down and hit that big shot? And I remember it was one where he like literally just dribbled up the court from like three or four feet behind the arc, just thwapped it in LeBron's eye. And it was just like, holy shit. And the reporter asked him and KD was just like, I would just, I just stayed present. Like this whole, this whole game, this whole series, I just stayed present in the moment. Like I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was just like, like right here and now is the only thing that matters. And I can't affect what I, the last shot I had. I can't, I have no idea what, if my, if I'm ever going to get in the next shot. So I got to focus on like what I'm, my shot, my defense, my rebound, whatever it is right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's because I just am more aware of like meditation and mindfulness and how it relates to sports, because that's what really interests me, uh, that I notice those things. So they are in the media, but I just don't think they're really widespread. And I don't know if other, I don't know if other people who aren't into it as much as me notice it, but I don't know. That's a really good idea, though, about the flyer. I like that. Could be interesting. Yeah. Because then we could take it like a couple of different formats and like show a couple, a bunch of different people, like different styles. Like one could be very like meditation, yoga, mental. One could be like drunk open tournament golf. Another one could be uh, like workout uh, instruction style or and then yeah. like whatever you could have a kind of like a b testing like the different styles yeah i think about like you know what people are gonna think when they think about their money and they think about using their vacation time talking to their significant others like what would really what would really be enticing enough I think that it would it would have to be a really meticulous blend of these things like I don't know maybe thinking about it in terms of a of a pie chart like <laughs> I almost think that the mindfulness I don't know do you think it would be even like fun kind of fun on and off course let's just say like that's a big chunk Mm -hmm. getting better at golf and then playing golf i would say well yeah i i guess i would yeah that's that kind of falls everywhere but like i don't know like what's what's the perfect what's the what's the biggest what's the loudest message you know the loud like there's definitely something about revamp that i think is good and i think is part makes the brand kind of sell itself there's always a yoga aspect to it but there's different aspects that that come into it there's uh there's one that was like not a ton of, i don't think it was a ton of mindfulness but i like follow all the marketing they do one was like more entrepreneurship and mm. like yoga mindfulness there's one that's pure bliss find yourself personal spiritual journey yoga mindfulness nutrition holistic nutrition workshop um but i think there's even one that's like like romantic and there's one that's like very sexual that's like we're bringing out a 
a sex coach or person who's supposed to like help couples like get more intimate and try new stuff and like change the way they think. But the thing that's present in all of them is this very much. I'm coming here for more personal discovery. Yeah. Which as a mission. I think is what encourages people to go talk to others when once they get back. Yeah. Which is which is which is probably by design, but also very clever. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about golf, it's like the party thing, the mindfulness, you know. It's interesting. There's some people that are into the that people just value everything differently. Yeah. You know. So it's a it's a really fun thing to start thinking about. Yeah. I want to say people want memories the most. But then I'm like, well, maybe you want to just get better at golf. And that's why you're going down there. I don't think memories the most because well, I don't think you're wrong about people wanting memories. But I think in terms of why would you provide something or what's the point of this consumer provider dialogue is I'm providing something that it might be hard for you to get somewhere else. Yeah. And the memories of golf and partying you can do on your own. So true. That's kind of interesting to think about. Like yeah, that is. you could go schedule your Palm Springs thing with your boys and go to the fucking village pub. Thanks. Man, I can't believe I forgot the name. You could go to the village pub, but like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have access to maybe a pro or someone who's helping you understand maybe what you should be doing in the gym if you really want to be getting better at golf. You might have to be making your own meals. <laughs> making your own <laughs> meals, um, and then obviously, I I do think. And also just curating, also just curating the golf and the golf courses yeah, and all of that. And maybe even like transportation, like there's shuttles that come pick people up. Like you don't even have to worry about any of that. Like yeah. it's just kind of. Well, and then I guess the other piece that does come back to it is like the whole thing. It does provide the forum for what the individuals bring to it. Like yeah. everyone's saying I'm going to this thing and there's a mindfulness piece. There's a strength or maybe injury prevention piece to it. And there's maybe a self-discovery thing that just creates this somewhat abstract forum for people to add value to each other. Yeah. To people to, yeah. To buy in and say, I'm going to have some conversations here that I probably wouldn't have if it was just me and, you know, my four boys going down to Vegas which I do think is valuable. I do think people value. Yeah. I think, I think that's interesting to think about. My other concern, my other concern is that guys typically like roll together. That's okay. That's okay though. Totally. Okay. Whereas girls seem to be able to go off on more of those types of yoga retreats by themselves. Maybe this is just me not knowing anything, but it seems like like that's you not knowing anything. Cause who do you know that's been on a yoga retreat by themselves? 
I think when you were telling you me when you were telling me about your experience, it seemed like there were like a, some individuals who went by themselves. Was I did I hear, just hear that wrong then? Maybe I might have said that, but now that I think about it, they all went with a friend or something. Most people had a connection in our group, like, and maybe not a companion to go on the trip with, but a connection to where like they know someone. Mm, yeah, which is maybe what made the group so. It seemed like it was a, a good group of people. Maybe that, you know, for the most part, no one was there by themselves. And so every time we got together in groups, it's like, oh, good. I like I kind of know this person over here, which I yeah. think helps people relax and open up. Totally. Yeah. They feel comfortable. Um, another thing I was thinking is it'd be interesting to do that for like curated groups of friends. So like, it's like, hey, get eight of your friends together and like you all will come on this together. It's a bachelor party. Yeah, it's like something like that. Um, I th- almost think there'd be more success in those types of things versus just random yeah. twosomes, threesomes, foursomes, whatever it might be coming to yeah. those things. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I just kind of see like it'd be more fun. It would be more fun for me to go with like a foursome of like my friends to an event like that, where I'm like getting some, like the individual, like learnings, but then I still get to go and go home with really great experiences and fun and be able to shoot the shit with like my best friends that like also enjoy the same activities that I do while still being able to cultivate maybe a community of like other people who are there that are interested in the same things. When you say there'd be more success in those, are you saying? I think it'd be easier to get people to buy into those types of things together. Hey, I'm going to go, Hey, we should go do this. All right. It's $1,500 for each of us. Maybe it's $2,000, $3,000, whatever it might be. We get to go play these dope courses. We get to learn uh, about, mindfulness and golf strategy maybe we get to do some golf specific yoga or maybe they're not into that maybe they want to learn about like what can i do at the gym that's going to make me stronger so we bring in someone like a a a golf minded fitness person and then there's gonna be a personal chef there who's gonna make us dope meals like i'd be fucking psyched to go do that with like four of my really good golf friends yeah and then there'll be free time where you can go out to the bars and party and maybe there'll be maybe there'll be one day like kind of like what we do in Palm Springs. Like there's one night where we like don't play golf early the next day because we go out and we rage. <laughs> and so there'd be like one night where like you can go out and rage if you want, but like you don't have to, of course, it's like up to you. But also you can just rage anytime you want, yeah. which is what I did in Mexico anyway. And low yeah. key kind of what we do in Palm Springs, regardless of the tea times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This feels like a good start. Yeah. You have a spreadsheet. Are you writing stuff down? You you said you were writing. Stuff I'm writing down. stuff down like a piece of paper, like that. Yeah. A spreadsheet. I'm thinking about it a lot, though. I've had a lot of like random ideas over the years of like businesses to start, and this one seems like the one where I'm like, I'm thinking about it more than I have any of my other ideas. Yeah. Like, 
I've thought about like various products. I've thought about like various like consulting gigs. Well, I think it's just because it's authentic. Yeah. It's real. It's not, it's not you trying to flip a buck. Yeah. It's you. Again, you're already doing this. Mm -hmm. You do this several times a year already. Yeah. For years. Um, So you're already doing it. But also there's, I think you believe and I believe in the value, which I think when that's the case, it's not a, that's, that's where it comes back full circle. It's not a job. It's what you want to be doing. That that would be freedom for me. Yeah. Like I would, that would be freedom for me. I would love to do that. Yeah. And it's not like you want to be doing it just to make money i think the 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 gratification the satisfaction of the feedback if if people were to go on this and come back and be like you know thanks like yeah this was good i want to tell my friends yeah like one of my favorite things about the drunk open is like people come up to me who like i don't see that often and like they'll be like dude i'm so pumped for the drunk open like six months after it happened in six months until it's going to happen again. Yeah. You haven't even planned the next one. Yeah. And it gets me like super pumped up that like they are having such a good time. At, like something that like I was able to like put together that they were able to enjoy, enjoy it with not only because I might not, I wasn't even golfing with them. But they were enjoy, able to golf with their, their friends, their close friends and do it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's like what I enjoy the most. And like, I, that makes it easier to spend more time. Just think about putting the drunk open in Cabo. The same thing. Think about the drunk open at like some baller ass course yeah. in Scotland. Yeah. He's like sick. sick as fuck. <laughs> sick as fuck. Also, I was thinking about you mentioned groups, how it would maybe be easier to be get people to come in groups. Something that I kind of forget that Corey does. Most of her, I would imagine this is part of what she pays for when she finds the yoga instructors to come to the trips. Most of them have like somewhat of a following on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so I think she gets a lot of interest through people posting on their, like, you, you know, just think if you were to get some, you know, dope pro and. Whistler or some other destination if he had a following even if it's a few thousand because if you think about a golf trip 12 people is only three golf groups yeah it's not a lot of golfers Mm -hmm. and you get maybe you've got one or two people whether it's a chef or whether it's a mindfulness person or whether it's a pro those people have a couple thousand followers that on top of word of mouth on top of marketing i think i really think getting eight people is realistic and getting 12 people is realistic and and the things that you're able to provide a group when you think about two thousand dollars for one person for five days and what that could get them it's not as much as if you have 12 people and $24,000. What can you provide to a group of 12 people when you're going and you're buying food and you're buying someone's time, you're 
buying a you know mindfulness dude to come mm-hmm. help or what gal whatever to come help and going to a golf course and saying hey i want you know i want 36 tea times over the next three days like let's work something out you go to a hotel room and say i'm bringing something here we're going to be marketing your hotel having 12 people come i need you know 12 rooms if not you know more or less whatever for yeah. how long like you start the economies of scale are super interesting mm-hmm. start thinking about that i like i bet you could get now that i think about it i bet you could get some like pretty cool like senior pga tour golfers or maybe guys that have just retired or maybe like coach like some coaches that like in the off season or like so like there's so many hacks to provide really good value but also help with exposure mm-hmm. i think you can get some like collegiate people um i know uh ava the uh, alki volleyball association they get stein what's his name stein metzger metzler uh he's the women's beach volleyball coach at UCLA comes up and he does clinics here. He's got, you know, the whole beach full of kids that all paid 30 bucks a day to come out. Like, you know, there's, there's so many routes to go and there's so many ways to be creative to really do something. Yeah. Then I was almost even thinking bigger than just a golf trip was like a couple's trip. Oh yeah. We're like, planned all the things for the golf aspect but then like if the female doesn't golf or the, the guy doesn't golf there's other activities for them or it's all curated or it's together two males or two females yeah. you know whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah um, totally but he but even if they i mean obviously if they both golf like that's a really good idea too yeah and i think that sounds fun yeah planning vacations is hard it is hard i think that's another thing to keep in mind it is hard yeah time it's part of the reason i did mine i was like fuck i want to go somewhere and i'm not i'm kind of throwing ideas around but nothing's on my calendar oh i can just literally just pay someone and i can go and it's gonna be pretty cool okay cool yeah so that's another thing it's like fuck it's not easy Mm mm-hmm it's uh it's intimidating especially if you're going to somewhere you haven't been yeah you don't know you're going off of other people's on most likely online reviews and you can spend hours you get lost hours reading those things it's what and you don't even get anywhere i don't know where i heard this but it's paralysis through analysis yeah yeah i've heard and said that many times Well, I think this is part one. Part one. Part one of freedom. Freedom! Braveheart, the god. All right. Life Lab, we love you. Peace. We out. That's a birdie.